All right, parents, welcome back to The Journey. This is Dan Finetti. I've got uh, Lauren Book with me. Lauren is a PCA parent uh, and an attorney. Um, so, hey, keep listening. I know some of you are like about to turn it off, but uh, no. Lauren's got some great stuff and some great information uh, that I uh, ask him to share uh, with parents because uh, just, just a lot of different things that are going on in your life. Uh, and he's going to um, kind of walk us through a bunch of different documents and a bunch of different information um, that's going to be helpful for you uh, in dealing uh, not only with your own um, issues, but kind of, uh, you know, we've got older parents that we're dealing with. Uh, we've got kids that are, you know, uh, getting to that, that age where they're going to be 18 and going off to college. So there's a lot of different things, Lauren, uh, that you and I can chat about that I think is going to be helpful to our parents. So, Lauren, welcome to the welcome to the program. Thank you, Dan. Thank you so much. Um, just you mentioned it. I'm a PCA parent. And as a PCA parent, uh, so very grateful to the PCA community for everything that uh, that the school and the church does to enrich the lives of, of us as husbands and wives, as followers of, of Christ, uh, and as parents, and the way that our school pours into our students and their families uh, in a number of different fronts is so important. And I'm, I'm honored, actually, to come and to talk about uh, what I do, why it's important, and how it can help our families. So thank you. Fantastic. Well, speak, speaking of, tell us a little bit. Um, you're married to Kim, and I think you've got um, you know, a, a quiver full of children, um, but uh, just kind of bring us up to speed. Give us a little biographical information about Lauren Book. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I'm a member and deacon at Prestonwood on the Plano campus. Um, I have the privilege to serve on the praise team from time to time and teach Bible fellowship. Uh, my wife, Kim, and I, we've been married for, it will be 11 years next month. Uh, she's a faithful volunteer in the kids ministry. Um, we have four children, uh, our two oldest Roman is a third grader at PCA mm. and Shepard, our six-year-old, he's in kindergarten this year at PCA. And then we have two coming up behind. We have a third boy, Judah, who just turned five this past December and our baby girl chapel is wonderful. She will never do anything wrong. Uh, she'll be a year next month as well. So yeah, we got a <laughs> quiver full and, uh, the house is always moving and shaking and that's the way we like it. That's fantastic. Well, let's dive in and then just kind of start um, some of the things that you mentioned that might be uh, helpful to our parents are just some documents dealing uh, with their own financial wills, estates, power of attorney. Where, where do you want to start uh, in terms of talking about those things? Yeah, I think defining what I do might be, might be helpful because I think there's probably a misconception whenever people hear the, the phrase estate planning. Um, mm -hmm just the notion of having an estate, I think kind of conjures up images of uh, the Biltmore or something with long sprawling hedges and big arched pathways and all of those things. Yeah. We all read uh, the Rick Gatsby, right? So oh, I mean, yeah. is that, isn't that what you do? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Bring it back to that absolutely. time. Um, in my world though, an estate is really anything that, uh, that a person owns in their individual name whenever they pass away. Right. Okay. And so th this is intuitive to all of us. Once we hit 18, we're all given what I call the power of the pen, which is the power to go and buy things in their individual name, houses, open bank accounts, invest in the stock market. Maybe we're in Texas. So oil and gas interests, all of these things that we kind of acquire, we need a plan because whenever we finally pass away, uh, the, all those assets need to be owned by somebody. And so making a plan for them now is, uh, is, is really what I do. And that takes a number of different directions depending on the particular client. 
Um, but at the end of the day, if I were going to define what I do, if I were going to, going to define estate planning, I would define it as the process of leaving your family more than a mess. Mm. Uh, because, uh, because uh, you know, as we all know, and we've heard probably horror stories in the news, failure to plan really does risk leaving, uh, leaving a mess. And there's some really high profile cases out there, the Aretha Franklins and the Prince's. Uh, of the world that didn't that didn't plan properly, and now they've really got messy situations going on. Yeah. Now, is there is there too late of a time? Because I know some uh, parents are probably thinking, "Hey, I don't I don't want to plan, you know, for for me leaving. I'm you know I'm 30, 40, you know, 50, whatever." Um, I think what you're saying is now is the time to plan um, yeah. before it gets too late. But let's say uh, we're talking to some parents, and they're even thinking about their parents who may be in their 70s and 80s. Right. Um, and, and they need to sit down and think about, hey, do my parents have um, a will, right? Am I, um, you know, the executor? And how, how is that language done? I think some people might think it's too expensive to go through that if they're not going to be left with um, a lot. What, what would you say to that parent? You know, just to your to your comment about the expense, Genworth Financial actually conducted a poll a couple of years back about the reasons why people don't plan. And cost prohibition, only 4% of people responded that that was the reason that they didn't plan. 47% responded that they knew it was important, that they had just put it off. Yeah. Um, and, so, and so cost rarely becomes an issue. And certainly we're not in a position to say what it costs to put all this together because every family is a snowflake. Right. Uh, to your question about when is it too late? I, I make a joke about it and say, you know, in estate planning, you can be late, but you can't be too late. In other words, you can't, you can't pass away and have a, and make a plan then. Yeah. Um, baseline is if, if you are, if you are still able to understand and conduct business on your own, and we, and we all have probably had family members that have reached a point where that time has passed them by due to something like dementia or another cognitive impairment. But, but on this side of those kind of issues, planning is still an option for you. And it's, and it's never too late by that regard to come. I did, I did planning for the first time last year for a couple in their mid eighties and they were both still sharp as a tack. Again, they knew that it was important. It just, it took them making it important and finding the right person to work with to really get the rubber on the road and get the thing done. Awesome. So um, we all know that obviously um, in, in an estate planning, you're talking about a will, but there are other documents that are important uh, to have as a part of that. Uh, what are those other kind of documents that you would help a family with? So I break the comprehensive planning process down into, into two life categories. One is pretty intuitive. It's death, right? Mm -hmm. The key statistic there, 100% of people are going to die. Small, small asterisk for guys like Enoch or if the rapture takes us. But on the whole, <laughs> we're, playing, we're playing the law of averages, right? So we know that planning for death is important. Most people think about that. The other life category that most people don't think about is disability. Okay. And disability is not planning for who's going to own your stuff. It's who's going to step in and make decisions for you if you reach a point where you can't. In other words, how do you hand over the power of someone to hold your pen and sign your name out of, you know, sign a check out of your account if anybody does that anymore, or enter a pin number, or even in a drastic case, sign your name on a deed if it ever became necessary. I use a common example with a husband and wife. Let's say that a husband and wife buy a house together and they both show up to the title closing and they're both handed pens and they both sign the docs. 
And then some time goes, time goes by, let's say the husband gets sick and now the wife needs to sell that house. The husband's in the hospital. The wife needs to sell the house to pay the bills. What gives her the right or the power to sign documents on the husband's behalf? That power is encapsulated in legal instruments that we, that we provide. And you've probably heard of the powers of attorney. Um, Texas uses two primary powers of attorney. Again, we're talking about a legal instrument where one individual is handing over the power to make decisions for them. And so in Texas, we have a power of attorney for financial matters. We call that the durable power of attorney. And we have a power of attorney for medical decision-making, which is called the medical power of attorney. They're found in two different parts of two different codes. On the medical side, you know, what you're really doing is you're trusting somebody else to use their independent judgment to make treatment decisions for you. If you reach a point where you can't communicate with your doctors, most commonly this would be like if you're in a medically induced coma or you're otherwise unconscious, or again, excuse me, dealing with cognitive decline, maybe Alzheimer's reaches a point where you can't reasonably sit in front of a doctor and contemplate the condition mm. you want to have that supported decision making maker there that can give your informed consent for treatment. So that's what the medical power of attorney is all about. We always want to couple that with an authorization to release medical records under HIPAA. Most people understand uh, that HIPAA is federal law that keeps their medical records private. We want to make sure that clients have documents in place that allow people who are making these decisions to actually get educated about mom or dad's condition by looking at their medical records. So that's the medical power of attorney. If I, if I didn't make the point clear enough on the financial power of attorney, what you're authorizing is an individual or a set of individuals. I have clients ask me, can I name two people to serve at the same time? Certainly you can. There may be some logistical challenges if they live in different parts of the country or something like that. But on the whole, you can name as many people to stand in your place and make your financial decisions or medical decisions for you, which is what those powers of attorney are all about. Uh, just to put a bow on a couple of those other disability planning documents, uh, you know, we commonly recommend that clients consider going ahead and, uh, and preparing what I call a life support directive. Um, the, the nerdy title is advanced directive to physicians. But here we're talking about not letting someone else make a decision about your end of life care if you're on life support. And let's say the doctors have, have deemed you terminal or that your condition is irreversible and you're being kept alive by some sort of artificial means. The most infamous case of this is probably Terry Schiavo, which we all probably remember from the early 2000s. Mm. Terry was on life support through a feeding tube for 15 years while her parents battled their way through the Florida court system trying to make a determination about whether or not she could be taken off of that life support. Ultimately, she was, and she passed away within weeks after coming off of that treatment. Um, so we don't want question marks surrounding our care. We want to be able to state succinctly and clearly how we would want to be taken care of if that sort of a decision had to be made. In other words, like if Kim is my medical decision maker, I trust her to collect information, make treatment decisions, I don't want her to carry the emotional burden of taking me off life support without some sort of direction from my end. I want to go ahead and tell her, this is the decision that I've made. I want you to honor it. I don't want her to carry any sort of burden after the fact of having to make that decision for me. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is so important because you're providing clarity uh, at a time of um, any of these situations are gonna be highly emotional, highly stressful. Uh, and if you can address them, uh, in a clear and concise manner before those issues happen, 
uh, you're not you're not saying obviously that you know you're going to avoid uh, the situation from happening. But if something uh, obviously does happen, um, you want to pr provide as much clarity, simplicity, um, so that the person who is going through that difficulty, uh, in you know, in a case where you know I'm in a situation uh, either disabled or you know or dead or you know passed away, so the people that I'm leaving that I'm loving, uh, I want to provide as much you know just information. Uh, so that they can make the decisions necessary uh, and not be thinking, oh, you know, what would Dan want at this particular time? Or what would Dan's wishes have been? And, you know, we all know, Dan, let's get together and, you know, talk about these things. It's like, just talk about them beforehand, get that addressed and out of the way, and then, you know, move on with, with dealing with the rest of your life. And, you know, hopefully we'll never have to be in those situations. But I, I love how you are providing um, something that hopefully a person, um, obviously in the case of disability, doesn't have to use, but if it ever comes up, you have provided that clarity, um, that streamlined case where, um, you know, I can walk through a difficult situation and I can know what the person would have wanted uh, and that's being taken care of. So that's that's fantastic. I appreciate that. Anything else in, in terms of that estate planning concept? Because I want to move on to something else you mentioned after this. Yeah. So just a couple of things. One, and, and you alluded to this, this, it's all about communication. Again, back to that that idea of leaving your family more than a mess, leaving your loved ones more than a mess, these documents communicate. Mm. They tell the world what your desires are during a period where you cannot. Um, and something that you mentioned also just about talking with family and communicating. I, I talk to clients all the time about, like now that we've done, gone through this process, there's a softer side to this. If you've been estranged from a child or another loved one, now is the time to be, you know, if someone needs forgiveness, give them forgiveness. If you need, if you need to ask for forgiveness, now is the time to humble yourself and go and ask for that forgiveness so that you can solidify those relationships and not have all the craziness that goes on whenever people die. And suddenly we have family members left behind that are dealing with, you know, incendiary topics like money and family, you know, yeah. what could go yeah. wrong. So that's, that's the whole idea here. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I'm glad you do that. Um, you also mentioned something um, that I hadn't thought about before, and that is uh, some of our parents are having, like myself, uh, is having a senior who's graduating, uh, and those seniors are turning 18, and all of a sudden, uh, they are now legal adults, and, and uh, they can sign their own contracts, and um, you know, medical records don't have to be provided back to parents and things like that. What, what do our parents need to think through uh, as their kids are getting older and reaching that particular age? Well, I'll tell you, one thing that just popped in my head as you were bringing that up is there's a whole host of credit card companies that are waiting in the wings to, to, meet, your, to meet your newly minted 18-year-old once they yes. get on campus. Yes, so parents, are. have that talk. Have that talk with your kids about responsible credit card use. That's right. If it's um, on the credit card, I don't have to pay it back, right? That's, that's, that's right. That's right. It's free parents. money. Yeah, it's free money. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. So very important point. Once, once your child turns 18 and they are a legal adult, they now, unless they are for some other reason incapacitated, like due to an illness or a disability, they now have the constitutional rights of an adult to go out and to contract on their own, to sue, to be sued and be held responsible for their own stuff. Mm. And, and, and we all know that just because you turn 18 on your 18th birthday doesn't mean that you are automatically mature and automatically well-functioning. But parents, you are also not your child's automatic decision makers anymore, mm. um, neither on the financial side 
or on the medical side, even if you are continuing to carry them on your insurance through age 26, you are not their automatic decision maker. Now, that does not mean that in a pinch, there are not ways that parents can get access. But why would you want to take that chance? Right. Get things down in writing. This is the time. We're, we're getting ready to go uh, into spring break, for one. And then after that final season and the summer, when a lot of kids are going to be headed off to campus, now is the time to be indoctrinating your kids about the importance of planning early. One, so that their wishes for who makes those decisions and normally it's mom and dad, are written down on paper. But also, and this is a really critical thing too, 70% of the American population doesn't have any estate planning done whatsoever. The earlier we can teach our kids the importance of doing this stuff, the more it can become a part of the rhythm and the habit of their adult life as they get older. They don't have anything now. We understand that. They may have a basic checking account. But as kids get older and they acquire assets, if we start them early, they're going to understand the benefits of having a plan in place. And that way it becomes less of that thing that we'll do later on. And it becomes more a part of their regular rhythm and habit. I've heard uh, no shortage of stories about kids who went away on spring break and got hurt. Mm. Kids who went away on a mission trip and got sick. All of these kinds of things and not having planning documents created quagmires for their parents that, that may have otherwise not been there had they just done a little bit of advanced planning. So I would strongly encourage that once our kids get 18 to, uh, to, to get them in and to get those plan documents. Even a simple will. Uh, I have clients ask me a lot of times, you know, do I need a will? Do I need a trust? And there's a time and a place to talk about the differences of those things. But one thing that I always encourage my clients to understand is that, especially in a place like Dallas-Fort Worth, where... Uh, you know, we have crazy drivers all over the place, right? The possibility of being, um, there's no easy way to say this, the possibility of being killed in a car accident is, is a possibility that we have to deal with just by virtue of living in a metroplex, right? right. So if there's, a wrongful, if there's a wrongful death suit that's brought uh, and, and, and a, a deceased person, a deceased loved one is a, is a plaintiff and receives a settlement out of that, the settlement is going to be paid to their legal estate. And so, and all the trust in the world likely won't change that from the beginning. So we always want clients to have a will that nominates at the very least someone to go to court on their behalf and be the executor of their estate to receive those kinds of monies. And there are other examples. The wrongful death suit is, is, is a more dramatic one, but it's one that actually exists. And, and it's one that's personal to me. I've been, I've been appointed uh, by, by the courts in Denton and Collin County before to handle estates of people who were, who were receiving settlements. And so that's a real thing that exists. So, so anyway, I didn't mean to, to get tangential there, but, uh, but very important for our 18 year olds to have those medical power of attorney, financial power of attorney, and at least a basic will. Yeah. I think Lauren, I think just having you as a, as an advocate or as a resource for our parents, uh, to be able to ask questions, right. To sit down and say, Hey, listen, here's my family. Here's my situation. Um, you know, what would you suggest? What would you recommend? It's such a, a great thing. And uh, not waiting until, uh, you know, unfortunately, you find yourself in a situation where you say, oh, I wish I had gone and seen Lauren before. Uh, now's the time to go see you, sit down, find out, right, what uh, what your options are. 
uh, find out what those things are going to cost you and say, hey, these are the things that we can do to protect um, our family, uh, its health and our finances so that uh, if unfortunately a situation happens, uh, as you said, you don't want to leave uh, your loved ones in a mess. Uh, because you didn't do the planning beforehand. So Lauren, I'm going to put um, all your contact information in the show notes so people know how to reach out to you. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm sure you will be a huge asset uh, to our community uh, moving forward on these particular issues. So thanks for your time today. Thanks so much, Dan. Um, listeners can call in anytime if they have questions uh, and they just want to get some more information. I've been blessed with an incredible support staff that would be happy to talk with them, just make an introduction. So by all means, thank you for that opportunity. Anything that we can do, we wanna be able to be a resource. You're awesome. Appreciate your time, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks, Dan.